Okie dokie. So we're going to get on to uh, blessing of a mother after childbirth. So this is in the section that's all like the things that individual care sorts of things that the pastor has for you. So got one more. So the blessing of a mother after childbirth is a is a very old thing. Traditionally, this is called the churching of the women. It's a very ancient thing. So uh, basically, the first time the woman comes back to church after childbirth, you have this kind of special little liturgy for her. Now, when I do this, I normally do it in the nursery, nursery like right before the service starts because... People with a new baby get to church about like two seconds before church starts and like the baby's crying and they have to feed it and then change its diaper. And so it's all kind of like chaotic most of the time. I did read different sources that say that this is actually supposed to be in the liturgy um, during particular points and kind of like confirmation today. We saw that and I think that might be a nice thing to do, but I also don't want to like put a whole lot of pressure on a mom who's like just coming back to church, you know. And so, if you watch a lot of historical fiction shows or historical semi whatever, uh, they always have a special a special service for them. Oh. Yeah. So it's kind of modeled on the. Um, on the yeah presentation, so on February second we'll celebrate something called Candlemas, which is when, which is the presentation of Jesus in the temple and the purification of Mary. So, purification of Mary. Well, actually, first off, um, do you know? Yeah. Uh, so it's the day in like the church when like you traditionally blessed all the candles that you're going to use that year. I don't know how that works if you don't have real candles, so we don't do it. Um, but it's kind of cool. And What's the day called? February second, Candlemas. It's forty days after Christmas, and it's when Jesus was brought to the temple. We'll we'll, we'll read about this in Leviticus twelve in just a little bit about where this all kind of comes from. So. But uh, does anyone want to guess what the current rate of maternal mortality is? In this country, women who die in childbirth. Well, how many women in this country do you think die in childbirth every year? 300,000? No, 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 way high. Any guesses? It's seven, about 700. Yeah. In this country, about 700 women die in childbirth every year, okay? Uh, do you know how many births we have in this country every year? How many children die at birth? Uh, I don't know. I don't have that number, but... Probably more than the moms, but there's about 3,700,000 births a year in this country. So there's 700 maternal deaths and 300, 3,700,000. So the, the, the rate of women dying in childbirth in this country is very, 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 very low. Okay? It is like 
It's not really something you need to worry about. It works out to 0.0018%. So, I mean, and this is like pretty remarkable to me because... Right, so in, in the course of human history, it's been a lot worse than that. Um, in the 1600s and 1700s, women had about a 4% chance of dying in childbirth. Uh, like, like 400 years ago. Yeah, yeah, I know. So, right, Ellie, with our first daughter, Evangeline, was born on New Year's Day. Uh, yeah, she was like, she was all twisted up in there. She was the wrong side, and she would have never come out. It wouldn't have worked. And so, yes. Three times. Three times. Oh, yeah. So. In, yeah, in some places in the world, I, I know it's an issue in sub-Saharan Africa and India also. Maternal mortality is, is quite high. But yeah, in our country, though, it's like really, really, really rare. And this is kind of astonishing to me because I've never given birth. But it looks crazy. I mean... It's wild. I mean, it's amazing to me that like half the women don't die in childbirth. I mean, you're this baby, this baby's even like little babies are huge. And you have to like give birth to this thing and it doesn't just like kill you? This is amazing. Huh? Yeah, and you know what? Not your problem. You don't have to worry about it, right? <laughs> <laughs> so you know it's like well uh i don't know i mean it, it, so it, in so many things it seems like the women get the like short end of the stick on these sorts of things and it's like oh man you can have it you know it's fun <laughs> like the dad it's awesome they they, uh, they hand you the baby, and you're like, oh, what's the baby? And then my favorite thing was always, like, they cart off Ellie to, like, recover because she just had major abdominal surgery. And, uh, and, but I get to stay with the little baby, and the baby, like, holds your finger, and they put him under a heat lamp, you know, and it's, like, it's the coolest thing in the world. That was, like, my favorite part of the birthing process. It's so awesome. And it's all just kind of quiet. And, and, uh, and they put that weird little heart sticker on them to like make sure their temperature comes up. And, yeah, it's wonderful. So anyways, it's a, the church has always recognized that this is a tough thing for women, I think. Like, yeah, well, I know, there is that. So... Yeah, so a lot of women were not making it, right? So yeah, the historical rates of maternal mortality were fairly high. I mean, but again, they never really get above like 10%, you know. It's, it's amazing to me that it works as well as it does, even in like societies 
that didn't have any sort of medicine or anything. Like, your body is actually made to do this thing. And so, like, and, and it does most of the time. But every once in a while it doesn't. And it's a, it's a very difficult process for, for women. And so we have this thing, and I think it's, I think it's beautiful. And, um, yeah. So, very early on, the church said, this is a thing that we're going to do. Here you go. If we want to open up to Leviticus 12, there's a whole chapter in the Bible devoted to this particular sort of thing. Now, anytime you get to look up something in Leviticus, you know it's going to be awesome. So, let's see. You guys got Bibles? Uh, this is on page 90. So, yeah, where does this sort of thing come from? Now, it's just, it's just always existed in the church, too. Like, it was always around. Um, we find Gregory the Great in the 6th century talking about this very um, right. And uh, it's important. Yeah, Gregory is like, well, we don't do this because they're unclean. Like, childbirth does not incur some... Uh, impurity in you. That's not the point of this whole thing to like make you clean when we bring you back into the church. Um, it's, a, it, it's a good thing, you know. Or yeah, you're not defiled because you have a baby. Right? It's true. It's good news. Alright, so let's check this out. Leviticus 12. Now remember in Leviticus, there is Leviticus is something that we read, and it's kind of crazy. You read it, and you're just like, what is the point of all this? Okay? So, basically, it's separation of the clean and the unclean, and separation of the holy from the unholy. Um, and, and that's the whole point. So, God takes the people of Israel out of Egypt, and they're called to be holy uh, in a world of unholiness. They're called to be holy. What is it that makes them holy, the people of Israel? What makes them holy? It's the proximity to God. That God himself has come to them and surrounded them and taken them out of slavery and that he has brought them through the Red Sea and then that he has brought them through the River Jordan and that he has cleansed them for himself. He has chosen them to be this shining city on a hill. Um, so, because they believe them. not even that. He just goes and picks them out. Yep, he goes and picks them out. They were, they were a weak, enslaved nation. And he goes and he finds them and he says, You are going to be my people. I, the Lord your God, am holy and you will be holy. And thus they are holy. Are you, Israel? you are part of Israel. How are you part of Israel? Oh, it's all Well, yeah, they died, you know. <laughs> You're part of Israel because uh, Israel has always been about faith. It's never been about blood. It's never been about who your parents are. It's always been about faith 
uh, and about Yahweh actually choosing you, okay? So yeah, you have been chosen. You are Israel. So there's a country over in the Middle East called Israel, and guess what? The existence of the modern Jewish people is based solely on the rejection of Jesus Christ as the Messiah. Like, they're not the people of God. Like, that's not how it works. They're still kind of special. But it's not about... Uh, who your grandparents were it's not uh it's it's about we are children of abraham by faith okay so yeah well we are children of abraham yeah whatever the stones yeah you know, come on um your family tree does not matter in the church but your lineage does not matter yeah faith matters and that is a gift who your parents are, who your grandparents are, where you came from. Blah, 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 blah. It's all interesting, but it doesn't have anything to do with your salvation. So, um, I mean, my, my ancestors were worshiping trees in Germany. I was like, okay, uh, I'm glad that the missionaries went there and cut down their trees and built churches out of them. I don't seek to reclaim that heritage. So how are the Israelites a little special? I mean, the people that are in the real Israel? They're a little special. Yeah. Like special uh, You said it. Um, but no, they, you know, I mean, that's the thing. It's like they've got all the, they have all the signs. They've got it all. Right? They have, like, they were chosen. How come America defends Israel if they're like, don't believe God? Well, that's kind of complicated, I think, and has to do with some strange or religious things. Yeah, it's got to do with like politics. And there's this country over there that's like always getting picked on. And so we're like, well, we might as well help them out. And so, but it. Uh, what? <laughs> my my people did. Oh, white people used to worship trees. Yeah, sure. No, she said used to worship white people. Well, I hope not. I don't think so. I know, isn't it crazy? We brought a tree in here. We couldn't. We like. Oh, we still kind of like the trees, don't we? What does the Christmas tree signify? Eternal life. When you see the tree, you think. Jesus, okay? Why do we choose these trees? Why don't we Why don't we bring a birch tree in here? Because a birch tree loses its leaves. So we bring in these things that don't seem to die ever. And we cover them with all these... Uh... Yeah, yeah. Did they have pine trees where Jesus was born? Um, they have cedars. What's your evergreens? But the Christmas tree is something that's like 600 years old or so. But oh, it's only 600 years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not a Bible time thing at all. And it actually like comes to us from uh, Prince Albert. Queen Victoria's husband was German and brought it into the palace, and then everyone else wanted one too. So, so anyways. Sort of. Which they're like, why do all these non-German people have Christmas trees? Well, because it's awesome. That's why. Okay, 
Everyone knows it's cool if you put up a tree in your house, put lights on it. They might not know why that's cool. They might not know that this is Jesus, okay, the light of the world. But they all, you know, they think it's, they, they want that stuff. Yeah, right. Why do non-Christian people have Christmas trees? Because we have the cool stuff and they want it. It's true. We have all the cool stuff in the church and they just, they kind of take what they want. Okay. All right. So anyways, uh, the people of Israel called to be holy. And there are all these rules in there about cleanliness and uncleanliness. And then there's some rules that are like just kind of good medical rules. Okay. So when someone shows up in your community with like some big old leper boil on their arm, the priest checks it out and they're like, uh, okay, it, it, this might be contagious. You better go sit over there for a while. All right. We don't want to have things breaking out. And we, we now know about all this like sort of quarantine and stuff like that. Well, they were doing it in Leviticus already. So some of these things are a good idea. Um, all right, so Leviticus 12, purification after childbirth. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel, saying, If a woman conceives and bears a male child, then she shall be unclean seven days. Now, when we read that, you think, like, unclean? Isn't that mean? It's not. Like, in Leviticus, being unclean, what you got? Oh, I think it might be. Oh. It sounds like the pre-earthquake sound or something, maybe. Um, but yeah, so when we, when we read about cleanly, people being clean and unclean in Leviticus, it does not mean um, righteous or sinful, okay? Um, it literally just means, like, they're just unclean. I, I don't, well... Do you have any friends who like post Instagram pictures of their um, like home births and pools, like doing a water birth at home? Ah, oh, man, it does not look clean. It's like when people will like uh, set up a, a pool in their living room at home in order to like have birth, give birth, and and there's like all there's all this like stuff floating around in there, and it's just. It, yes, in any birth, it's, it's generally not a clean sort of situation. There's all sorts of stuff. Uh, and so it is like literally unclean. That's all this is saying. Okay? We're going to give her some time to get cleaned up. Like, you know, it's, it's kind of funny. They don't say after the woman has her child she has three days to get home and to get back to work like they're actually providing time for a woman to heal and to to rest it's fantastic um as if a woman conceives a male, male child she, she shall be unclean seven days as at the time of her menstruation she shall be unclean and on the eighth day of the flesh of his foreskin shall be circumcised. Why do we circumcise the baby? 
Yeah, so this is identifying this child as a part of the people of Israel, okay? The circumcision is the mark that was given to Abraham. Um, Abraham was, what, 90 years old when he was circumcised, and Isaac was like 17 or something. You're like, eh. But uh, the babies are brought into the people of Israel. Eight days old, you mark them. Okay, wow. So, again, they're not asking. They're not praying some prayer for this. You just do it. They're in. Okay, this is the mark. So, baptism corresponds to circumcision in the Old Testament. Okay, it marks you out as God's holy people. That's what holy baptism does. Then she shall continue for 33 days in the blood of her purifying. She shall not touch anything holy, nor come into the sanctuary, until the days of her purifying are completed. But if she bears a female child, then she shall be unclean two weeks, as in her menstruation. And she shall continue in the blood of her purifying for sixty-six days. And when the days of her purifying are completed, whether for a son or for a daughter, she shall bring to the priest at the entrance of the tent of meeting a lamb a year old, for a burnt offering, and a pigeon or turtle dove for a sin offering. And he shall offer it before the Lord and make atonement for her. Then she shall be clean from the flow of her blood. This is the law for her who bears a child, either male or female. And if she cannot afford a lamb, then she shall take two turtle doves or two pigeons, one for a burnt offering and the other for a sin offering. And the priest shall make atonement for her, and she shall be clean. So, I mean, it's this cool. Uh, she gets like 40 days off, basically. Well, I mean, she's, she's given like a reprieve from, from being a part of the society of Israel for, for 40 or 66 days. No, we don't. I know they have like maternity leave. Uh, even in Leviticus. Everyone thinks Leviticus is this like harsh book. And it's like, oh, no, 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 no. We actually want to take care of these people. And we know that a mom needs time to, to recuperate and to heal. And, um, you know, I mean, some people are just like doing cartwheels and jumping jacks five minutes after giving birth. But, like, not everyone. So it's... This is... It doesn't come from this, the blessing of the woman after childbirth, but it echoes this sort of thing, okay? Um, and, and this is what Mary and Joseph do 40 days after Jesus. They go to Jerusalem, uh, and we know that they're poor people because they, they have two turtle doves instead of a lamb, okay? So lambs sound little to us, but it just means any sheep that's less than a year old. Uh, they can actually be pretty big. So they're not like cute little cuddly lambs. These are like, they're big animals, um, lambs. But, and interesting, in the Old Testament, sheep and goats are always interchangeable too. So until Jesus tells this story about separating the sheep and the goats. Well, uh... I mean, I guess it depends on, like, why you want to do that sort of thing. But you don't need to, like, bring a... If you showed up at church 40 days after childbirth with two turtle doves, I would not know exactly what to do with that. 
Yeah. If you brought a lamb, I could probably figure that out, and we would have like a barbecue afterwards. They're like, are you supposed to eat those things, or? <laughs> so, yeah. Oh yeah. Get out. It's not. It's not a permanent state. It's always a temporary state. And there's things you can do. And then there's even like provisions for well, but if you can't do that, you can do that. That God does not want you to be in an unclean state. Yeah, He never leaves you there. No. It's always just a. And there's no one who's always clean and never unclean. Yeah. Oh yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Lord does not want them to stay unclean and always provides a way for them to to be cleansed. And that's wonderful. Yeah, in the Old Testament comes off as this like people even wonder if it's the same God as the New Testament, and you're like, well, take a look again. Um, yeah, fantastic. So. It's also worthy, worth noting that um, many, many cultures have these sorts of um, post-birth separation things for women. Um, what was that like Japanese thing where? Yeah, they like, cocoon them up and feed them like babies. Yeah. It's kind of cool. In the old Japanese culture, the woman also could not go to community hospital. Mm. Yeah. Well, it'd be kind of freeing, it seems like, if you're like, look, you can't, you're not, you're just not allowed. Yeah, well, I think that's what this is. Yeah. 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 It's not like, oh, if you don't, you can, but rest, try and rest up, but you can do all this other stuff that it's just like, you can't. Yeah, right, and it's fine. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, um, what this does is it acknowledges the Lord's deliverance through this trial. So, again, I've never given birth, but it's like, it's someone, yeah, I don't, I don't know who says, but like, once it's in there, there's no really good way to get it out. And uh, so, but it's going to come out one way or the other. So, and you, you know, this is a, a troubling thing for, for women. And, and, yeah, and I love that we just acknowledge that. And we're like, yeah, this is tough. So it's not, um, you haven't been defiled. No. You've be, you've done something hard. And your boy doesn't have to be circumcised. And yes, your boy does not have to be circumcised. So, 
there's like lots of Christians who still think that you have to circumcise your children, and it's uh, I don't really get it. Is so if a medical professional says that, then I mean, which one? I guess, but don't think that uh, Jesus wants you to circumcise your children because there was a big controversy over this in the book of Acts, and they were like, eh, you don't have to do that anymore. And there was much rejoicing. And uh, that was other book too, right? Yeah, right. So it's, it's all over the place in like uh, Galatians, isn't it? Yeah. Right. So what we're concerned now about is the circumcision of your heart. Okay. Um, Ouch. Do you do that sort of procedure? Is that arthroscopic or something? Or? Oh, surgical. Yeah, circumcision of the heart. It's baptism is what it is. <laughs> All right, so let's look at the actual rite then. Now, one of my questions about this, about uh, seeing what you guys think about this, is if it should be a more public thing rather than a, a private thing. Because I, I normally gather around what family is there for it, and we gather in the nursery. But I don't know. What do you think? Should it be a more public thing? I think it'd be kind of cool. Um, again, acknowledging that this woman has been through a trial and the Lord has delivered her. So, it, and it, it is obviously sometimes connected with baptism as well. That's normally when people's children are baptized the first time they can come back to church. Um, if it's not an emergency one, I think it's a good thing for the community to participate in baptism. Um, if your kid is like, if your child's heart doesn't work, then like we'll baptize them in the hospital and everything's fine. But then we also have another right too for recognizing the the baptism in church that's almost almost exactly the same thing, but you like get to the water and there's no water. So but it's a fantastic thing. So and I, I think I like to I don't know if I've done this, but splash everyone else with water too then. But um Historically, this blessing was given when a mother returned to the church after giving birth. It may be prayed with the mother prior to the service or in another setting. So, yeah, maybe I'll be more intentional about that. Um, the problem is, you know, when you get the people with the new baby and, they, again, they get to church like five minutes after it starts. And you're like, well, okay, well, I don't know what we do now. But um, the mother may be joined by her husband or and other friends and relatives. If the child has been baptized, then appropriate modification of the prayer before the blessing should be made. In cases where the child did not survive childbirth, there are other resources. So we'll even do this if the child dies. Well, we'll still do this even if the child dies. If you don't have a child whose diapers you're changing, we'll still do this. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think that would be awful. But again, yeah, if, if you've got an awful going on, you need to be here. You need to be here. Yes, and, and so that's the thing too. Is that like I've seen this in the rights that we've looked at so far that they're not all there just for like 
cheerleading and pats on the backs that they do acknowledge like difficult things okay so because the milestones in your life are not always the happy things you have all sorts of tragic things in your life that that when you when you have like the roadmap of your life there are these like yeah landmarks that are tragedies and that's like guess what we've been through this too so the church has always been through this um the church has been praying for all these things for all time so we've been praying for unity even in united times so it's good yes I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. There's one in the room, right? So I assume we have one. So all of the rights come from that thing. Yeah. My mom's had a child child. Yeah, it's a rough thing. Be awful. Um. Yeah, and if there is a child, like if there's a body, we'll have a funeral. Yeah. So. Um, all right, so we begin in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, like we do with anything else, okay? And then there's uh, this wonderful psalm. Now, um, you see on the side, it, give, it always gives you where this stuff comes from in the Bible. And sometimes when it says liturgical text, that normally means apocrypha. But here, it just it comes from the apocrypha, which are all these books that didn't didn't really make it into the Protestant Bibles. Um, Protestant Bibles. So the Bibles that we have don't have these. There's extra books. There's missing books in between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And they're mostly history and poetry and all sorts of wonderful things. And there's liturgical things in there that we get every once in a while. But this is just... Hmm? Uh, well, I mean, you can, like, Google it or talk to me because I have them all. And they're in some Bibles. They're in Catholic Bibles. They're in Catholic Bibles? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how many there are. There's maybe 20. Well, you can't really think there are even. Yeah. 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 Um, Did you say something about them being weird or something? Yeah, so there's books like that, the Apocrypha, that are pretty good, that we like. And there's other things like the Gospel of Thomas that are weird. Um, yeah, and I, I found this week at... Uh, Why is it weird? Oh, yeah, sorry. here's why it's weird. So the Gospel of Thomas, and I, you know, in the, my I posted this on Instagram this week, and it went viral. Of course, I think I got like twenty eight uh, likes on it. But uh, the the end of the Gospel of Thomas is great. Uh, Saint Peter says to Jesus, "He's like, well, how can Mary be saved? She's not a man." And then Jesus says, "Well, I will show her how to be a man, and thus she will be saved." So at the end of the Gospel of Thomas, Mary Magdalene can only be saved if she becomes a man. And you're like, 
That's why it's not in the Bible, because it's weird. Yes. So there's books like that, okay, that are all weird. But then there's other books. There's all sorts of different categories of books that aren't in the Bible, right? Stick to the Bible. It's good. Huh? Some of them, yes. The ones that we call the Apocrypha are in between the Old and the New Testament. That's when they were written. And, um, but they're not in the Bible uh, because they're a little different than what is Holy Scripture. But they're still good to read. And we, yeah, if you're interested, I can, like, hook you up with them. Um, or you can, yeah, I mean, read the Bible first. And then you can read these. It just kind of fills in some blanks sometimes. But it's, yeah, some of these things are where we get some of our, some of our songs. Uh, we also get the song of the three young men from there. Um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are thrown into the fiery furnace, and they sing this song, and it's awesome. Uh, and it comes from the Apocrypha. You know? So, you know, they probably didn't sing it, but... You know, would that I had the state of mind to be cast into a fiery furnace and then, like, actually pin this beautiful song that people are still singing 3,000 years later. That'd be nice. Uh, or like C.S. Lewis writes, the, writes Narnia during World War II. Like, really? That's what you did, huh? Hmm. Well, you have to say, if the fourth man went into the fire, you might be able to get out of trouble at all. Yeah, I know. I might, have, I might have some like peace of mind, huh? I, <laughs> I hope. So, um, this woman cried out to the, and the Lord heard her and saved her out of all her troubles. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. Many of the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, as now and will be forever. Amen. This woman cried out, and the Lord heard her, and saved her out of all her troubles. So it's a wonderful little psalm there, just saying, like, I mean, the Lord really does watch out for you, and does deliver you. Yeah, I know. Interesting question. I don't know. I've always, uh, I've always struggled with that. Yeah, how do we bless the Lord? Um, the word blessing basically just means good word, okay? Um, let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. Mm. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, blessing and cursing are are often linked together. Yeah. Yeah. Can you curse the Lord? You can. Yes. Don't do it. Yes. Don't do that. Don't curse the Lord. Oh no, the F word is different. Yeah, don't do that. So, 
um, we, the Lord gives us his name to use properly, right? To call on him in every time of need, pray, praise, and give thanks. Um, but it is, yeah, you can use the Lord's name in vain, improperly, but, um, yeah. The F word, though, that's not like, it's a, prof- it's a profanity, it's not a curse, right? It's not, a, it's not taking the Lord's name in vain. So that's the real problem, I think, at least. But, um, but then, so then we pray the Lord's Prayer. The Lord be with you and also with you. And then we pray, Almighty and everlasting God, who turns the pains of the faithful into joy at childbirth. Is that true? Yes. I think so. That's crazy, right? It, because uh, you, well, the, you spend all this time and labor, and then, that was a baby. Uh, it's cool. And then they hand you the baby, and, and what does the mom think when they hand her this, you know, bloody baby that's like covered in, uh, What's that white stuff called? The vernix. Yeah. She loves it. She loves the baby. She doesn't say like, how dare you cause me all this suffering? I don't think. Like, I mean, the first reaction of any mom or dad once they see this baby is like, oh, wow. Amazing. Joy. You have nothing but joy when that baby comes out. And, uh, and then they quick whisk them off away to like, you know. Sometimes. Not anymore? Then they take them away and put them in the iron lung. And... We, we, saw, we saw some pictures of uh, one of Ellie's cousins who is my same age. I think he was born in like 85 or something. And he had jaundice. And like back then they put you in this like steel contraption. And it was like, this is horrifying. Our baby had jaundice, and they basically like put them in a tanning booth, you know, and it was like gym tan laundry. Oh, with the blanket? Yeah, that's cool. Way better than like the iron lung looking thing. So, but yeah, they, like no mom like is angry at the child once it is birthed. And like, yes, wow, this is what we've been waiting for. You know, and that's how Paul talks about the what's coming too, right? The creation is even now in, in the birth pains, pangs, pains, whatever. And then, like, I mean, things kind of suck right now sometimes. Yeah, but it, it, it's already inside what is going to be. And so, and once it comes out, we will have nothing but joy. And... Um, yeah, we praise you for the great mercy that you have shown uh, it to whoever and her children. The eight children. Talk to mom, eight children. Keep them always in your fatherly care and grant that her child children may be brought to the waters of holy baptism and grow up in true fear, love, and trust of you. 
Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be and remain with you always. Amen. So I think it's cool. It's like there's so much attention given to the baby, you know. But we're like, oh, we're also going to take a little time and acknowledge the mother who has done this quite spectacular thing. And again, as I was saying, it is an absolute miracle. And there's, we have all like sorts of ways that we try and make this stuff happen, but we have no control over it. Oh yeah, the actual giving of life, it happened once and continues to be given. And there's nothing we can do to, to like, to stop it or start it, you know? Well, yeah, we we can stop life, and that's why we that's why murder is bad, because it's taking away something that only the Lord can give. So, anyways, any 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 other. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think we should do that. So. Yeah, yeah. We can bring a stool. Yeah, sitting, sitting is fine, but standing would not be. Well, I don't know that you'd want to do it right together. You could do this like at the beginning of liturgy and then start your service of what you're going to do. Well, I guess most of us can only do that. Yeah. It's also not very long, too. I think that's kind of funny. This is like the shortest little liturgy you can have because it kind of anticipates that, like, that there is like a, a baby getting changed, you know, and being fed right before church too. I think that, yeah, it's always been like that. But as Ellie was saying, though, at various points in history, this has been like a whole entire separate thing. And there's also like all sorts of like goofy, like she got to carry candles around and stuff like that too. But you know, like who's holding the baby? So. We'll just, you know, we'll just stick with, with what we have here. So, but yeah, it's great. Because everyone thinks that, like, oh, all you're going to do is care about the baby now. But we also care about the mom. She's still here, too. Any questions? Maybe later. Yeah. Yes. All right. Um, let us pray. Lord, we give thanks for your gift of life and uh, pray for all families, all fathers and mothers and children, that we would ever be drawn closer to you, that we would look to you in faith, and that we would have love for one another. Uh, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, everyone.